Please stand for the reading of the gospel. It'll be from Luke chapter 9, verses 29 through 39. When he had come near Bethphage and Bethany, at the place called the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples, saying, Go into the village ahead of you, and as you enter it, you will find tied there a coat that has never been ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you untying it? Just say this, the Lord needs it. So those who were sent departed and found it as he had told them. As they were untying the colt, its owners asked them, why are you untying the colt? They said, the Lord needs it. As he rode along, people kept spreading their cloaks on the road. Now as he was approaching the path down from the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of the disciples began to praise God joyfully with a loud voice for all the deeds of power they had seen, saying, Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest heaven. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to him, Teacher, order your disciples to stop. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks, Thanks be to God. poem this morning comes from Anne Weems book Kneeling in Jerusalem and this is entitled Holy Week. Holy is the week, holy, consecrated, belonging to God. We move from hosannas to horror with the predictable ease of those who know not what they do. Our hosannas sung, our palms waved, let us go with passion into this week. It's a time to curse fig trees that do not yield fruit. It's a time to cleanse our temples of their blasphemy. It's a time to greet Jesus as the Lord's anointed one, to lavishly break our alabaster and pour perfume out for him without counting the cost. It's a time for preparation. The time to give thanks and break bread is upon us. The time to give thanks and drink of the cup is imminent. Eat, drink, remember. On these nights, each one of us must ask as we dip our bread in the wine, is it I? And on that darkest of days, each of us must stand beneath the tree and watch the dying if we are to be there when the stone is rolled away. The only road to Easter morning is through the unrelenting shadows of that Friday. Only then will the alleluias be sung. Only then will the dancing begin. Some of you may have heard the term midrash. Some of you may not. Midrash is a what-if story it comes out of the Jewish tradition, and it's one of my favorite 
kinds of stories because it's what if this happened or what if that happened? What if there's something else that we need to know? Marcus Borg, who is a famous theologian and somebody who really knows his stuff, and I really like Marcus Borg a lot, came up with a what if. What if Pontius Pilate was heading into Jerusalem the same time Jesus was? What if Pontius Pilate was coming with his white stallion and his army of soldiers and drums and clanging and people were bowing down because that's what you did in front of Pontius Pilate because after all, if he didn't, he might just have you put away or crucified. And at the other end of town, there is another parade of a lowly man on a donkey. Which parade has more appeal? Now, I'm a big fan of parades. I love parades. But I like to go to the parades that have spectacular bands. I get annoyed at parades where they have 15 fire trucks. And you're saying, all right, already, I've seen a fire truck. I don't need to see a hundred of them. I want to hear the music. I want to watch the kids drop their batons and pick them up and keep going. I want to hear the giggles and see the clowns. And, of course, pick up the candy that gets thrown off of that big float. But these were different kinds of parades. The parade that Pontius Pilate was in was a political show of power. And Jesus' parade was a parade of humility. Humility doesn't have a whole lot of appeal to us in these days. We like to be puffed up and we like to have everything be the biggest and the best. I'm not sure I agree with that anymore. Humility has a tremendous appeal to me. For many churches today, they're taking two different kinds of services and conflating them together. You will notice I'm not doing that. I don't like it. I think that it gives you permission to skip from Palm Sunday, which is joy-filled, to Easter, which is joy-filled, and not do any of the stuff in between which hurts. We are a culture that avoids pain at any cost. We have a pharmaceutical industry that gives you all kinds of things to ease your pain, whether it's mental pain, emotional pain, physical pain, psychological pain. We can get rid of that with a pill. Sometimes we need to go through the pain to get to the other side. Sometimes it's important for us to feel all the feelings. I'm fond of saying that God gave us all these feelings and God had them all expressed in the Psalms. All of the feelings of humankind are expressed in the Psalms. Anger, frustration, love, passion. Anger and love in the same psalm. 
we get so confused by thinking that we're supposed to feel all those feelings. But I won't give you permission, or will I make it easy for you, to avoid those services. To avoid walking with Jesus. That's the important part of this week. It's kind of fake, don't you know, if you decide to go from one high to another high without having the low in between. There are things about Holy Week that are incredible. There are things to learn about that week that you don't get if you skip it. For me, Holy Week has always been one of my favorite times in the church calendar. There's not as much hubbub going on. There aren't as many demands on your time as you have at Christmas. But there's some depth to Holy Week that goes beyond just normal living. So we look at this time and think, how can I get closer to Jesus? When I visited the Holy Land, there were some places that really surprised me. One of them was in the old city where Jesus would have carried his cross. And by the time you have the storefronts that put their things out in the, the street, and by the time you have people standing there, the space that Jesus had to walk was probably about the same as this aisle here. It was very narrow, very rocky. It's cobblestones. There are steps all the time. You're going up, you're going down. You're going up, you're going down. It's two or three steps. Jesus would have been falling. People were spitting on him. People could reach out and slap him, and I imagine they did. When they talk about Jesus leaving from the Mount of Olives, which is also where Gethsemane is, when you go there now, it's a very small olive grove because there's a great big honking church that's been built there. But it used to be a great big, huge olive grove, gigantic. And people who were there for Passover in the city would camp there because there weren't rooms. So we had this mental picture of Jesus going to this isolated place all by himself with his disciples who sleep. And there's all kinds of other people there to watch, to see, to witness. But if we don't go there, whether it's figuratively or whether it's in person, if we don't go there, we'll never know those things. We'll never feel those feelings. When the Pharisees tell Jesus to tell his disciples to be quiet and stop with this Hosanna stuff, Jesus says, 
If I tell them to be quiet, the stones will, ring, will sing out. I don't know about you, but I've had trouble trying to get people to quiet. You may have noticed that I've asked the choir several times not to talk during EP. Nobody listens. Have you ever been at a parade where you try to tell kids, stay out of the road, stay out of the road, stay out of the road? And finally you say, okay, get run over by a truck. You know, it's, sometimes it's hard. I was watching a soccer game last night, and there's a soccer player from the Baltimore Blast that we don't like very much. And he's, he's a crybaby, and he'll always make big... You know, like if he falls down, it's always a big deal. They have to get the medic, and then he gets up and plays. You know, it's crazy. But it's gotten to the point that whenever he comes onto the field, the entire arena boos him. Now, I don't like that. It makes me very uncomfortable. I don't like bad sportsmanship, and booing is bad sportsmanship. The announcers have said, please, don't boo him. Well, they do that at every game. Tell them not to boo. It's bad sportsmanship. We want people to feel welcome here. You know how many times he came onto the field and left? Probably 20 in the first half. And I was watching this every single time. They booed him. You cannot make people be quiet. I'm reminded of January 6th in our nation's capital. Nobody was going to stop that crowd. You can say what you want, but when people have a mind that they're going to do something, it's hard to make them be quiet. But what I have found is it is just as hard to get people to say, Amen. It's just as hard to get people to vocalize what they're feeling. It's just as hard. I've been told I need a cattle prod. I think I've tried. But to motivate people is hard. So the Pharisees blame Jesus. The Pharisees point out to Jesus that he needs to make them be quiet. He needs to stop them. And they use that as one more indictment for Jesus. My friends, we can celebrate all day long. But if we skip Holy Week, or if we choose to go to Pilate's parade, we diminish the joy of Easter. So whether or not you are able to go to a service in person, or whether you choose to watch it online, I beg you to walk with Jesus. I ask you, I beg you, I implore you, 
to make Jesus real this year. And we can start that process of making Jesus real. Oh, who left this for me? <laughs> Thank you. That's beautiful and appropriate. But we can start making Jesus real by coming to this table, joining together in what is important and what is significant about this week. In our tradition, the table is open to all people who want a closer relationship with God. You don't have to be a member of this church. You don't have to be baptized or confirmed. You don't have to pass a litmus test. What we want you to do is share in the love of Jesus. So we come to this table this week knowing that Jesus is being praised throughout the world on this Palm Sunday. That people are singing Hosanna, Alleluia to the King. And later this week, Jesus will sit with his disciples and share with them this meal. He will come to them and tell them that this bread is my body, broken for you, and every time you eat of it, remember me. And in the same way, he will take the cup and offer it to, to his disciples, saying, This is the cup of the new covenant poured out for you and for all people for forgiveness of sin and life. And so we remember what Jesus told us to eat and drink in his holy name, to remember, to be forgiven, to celebrate the love of God. So we ask God to pour out his blessings on each of us here and on these gifts of bread and cup to transform that for us, to become the body and the life-giving blood of Jesus, to energize us and move us into the world to do the work that he began. May it be so. Amen. You will find the bread on a toothpick. And when the bread is taken, you can dip it into the cup. There is gluten-free here. I'm probably going to have to ask you to come up to get that because I won't remember. The table is ready. The food is plentiful. Come and eat. <laughs>